Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 88 of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. Uh, today we have two segments for you and then one bonus segment. Uh, kicking things off, we have a segment all about Animal Crossing New Leaf with Andy, Don, and Justin. And after that, we have our first ever game of NWR Jeopardy with three listeners competing. Um, that's hosted by myself and Zach Miller. And after the outro, we have our continuing NHL playoff series uh, this week with myself and Donald Terrio. Enjoy. Welcome to a segment of Connectivity about the upcoming gem of a Nintendo exclusive, Animal Crossing New Leaf. Um, this game comes out, oh man, I'm blanking on the release date, June, June 9th. 9th, that, yes. June 9th. Uh, June 9th in North America, and, and with me, of course, is Don Koopman. Yes, June 14th in Europe. Thank you, that's the next question I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> and with me as well is Justin Baker. Hello staff, again. Staff writer extraordinary for NWR. And um, I thought I would get Don on here because he's been playing the game um, for quite a while, actually, and uh, Justin is just really excited for the game. So I figured Justin could ask us questions, and, and Don and I can talk a little bit about our experiences with the game so far. I've had the game since uh, May 15, uh, which puts it at about 10 days as of this recording. So I've seen a fair amount of the early content of the game, not so much of some of the later content. Uh, but Don, you've actually been playing the Japanese version since last November. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you think of New Leaf so far? New Leaf, um, so I've also been playing the European version now, of course. Uh, Animal Crossing New Leaf is quite a different beast than the previous entries in the series. And it becomes pretty you see it pretty much inside, almost directly when you boot up the game. Because um, you move into town, and the first thing you do is meet Rover, which you haven't really met since the GameCube days. Sure. A- and you are able to choose your own map, your own layout of the town, and you can even utterly refuse Rover's um, map map and say, from, no, this is not my town, and he will give you a completely other one. Yeah. Um, this is possibly done because, like, a long time ago, people would just constantly re- reboot up the game because they wouldn't be just be happy with what they got. Um, so I'm, it's kind of intriguing that they actually listen to that sort of feedback right from the get-go. Um, I feel like in a lot of ways, Animal Crossing New Leaf does a lot of... Um, and maybe not across the board, because there are definitely some instances where it doesn't feel that way, but in a lot of places it feels like this is a game that very much has lived and breathed on the feedback from previous Animal Crossings. Um, one, of the, one of the things I'm thinking of specifically is that, and, and uh, forgive me if some of these are features that have been in City Folk or Wide World, I didn't play much of either of those games. Um, I, played, I put a lot of time into the original Animal Crossing, but not a lot into either of the previous two Animal Crossings. Uh, I like that you can assess multiple fossils at once without having to go through the same rigmarole to hand a fossil over and have him look at it and then get it back to you. You can just you can just hand over four at once and he'll assess them right there. And if they're new, you can donate them right there too. Um, I, I feel like there's a lot less um, <laughs> blathering by Blathers, the the owl at the museum. In uh, fact, I, th- I think that specific feature was introduced in the Wii version of the game. Oh, okay. Um, but it's an interesting theory because over time, there were some little intro- introductions to those various games. But 
they were never that significant. And sure. I feel that New Leaf kind of does that. I mean, getting into town and being like the mayor is something inherently different. It's very different. It, 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 there's still sort of a tutorial in the game, but it's no longer... Well, first of all, it's completely different from the tutorial in every Animal Crossing game thus far. Um, and, and secondly, it's a lot more open. Uh, the tutorial in previous Animal Crossing games... Um, until you finished the tutorial, there was very little else you could do in the game. But with this tutorial, it, it, I mean, there's still some things that are locked until you're done. Um, but it's not quite the 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 hindrance that the, the the early game content was in previous Animal Crossings. Yeah, because you get into town, um, basically you have to go to Nuke's homes and get yourself like a place to build your house, but you don't have a house yet because you don't have enough money, so what you get is a tent. Right. So you know, the the town's mayor who lives, not even in a house, but in a small camping side area. So Well, the, most of the tutorial in this game is more about learning how to be the mayor. And some of it's the same kind of stuff. It's um, You go to the town hall and talk to Isabella, who is the cat that runs town hall, um, as your secretary. You mean, you, mean, you mean the dog? Dog? Is it a dog? Yeah. Oh, I'm blind. Okay, it's a, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a it's a poodle. Is it? Okay. God, I guess now that I think about it, you're totally right. I'm not sure how I missed that. Um, but anyway, she's your secretary uh, in a town hall, and she just sort of tries to ease you into being the mayor by saying things like, "Why don't you go talk to everybody in town? Well, why don't you go right on the sign in front of the town?" And it's the same kind of stuff you did for Nook when you worked for Nook's shop back in the old days, but it doesn't it doesn't stop you from playing the game however you want until you finish that. You can still go around and go shopping and well, it's, and all it's that kind a, of stuff. That said, that part is more a little bit more of a tutorial for beginners. You're not required to go through those steps that Isab- sure. Isabel presents you with. Uh, but there are some neat things in there, like going to the beach and collect like a shell for her. Right, right. Yeah, and saying, "Oh, this is for me. You didn't to- you totally remembered? That's nice of you." Yeah. <laughs> So, surprisingly enough, you don't get a lot of banter with like Isab- Isabel like after that those tutorials conclude, right? Which is a bit saddening, in my personal opinion, um, because I think it, I, I think the banter in the game is cut down across the board. Maybe not with the residents of the town, but like with the shop owners and with Blathers and with Isabel and with Rover, even in the beginning. Um, and maybe maybe the text scrolls faster, and that could be it too. But I I don't find myself mashing the buttons to get to get through the same dialogue no, no, over I, and over I, again. I believe you're right because I feel like the the stuff with Sable from the Able Sister shop is also a bit cut down. Um, you mean you mean if you still you can now make um like scanning QR codes, but if you refuse that later on in the game at Sable's desk, she'll few, spew a few lines, but it it's not March this time around. That's not really. Yeah. But there's but I, I I would I would say that's balanced by there just being a lot more to do in the game. Um, I mean I mean another thing they they also balance with is that there are more villagers now coming to your town. Like sure. you can have up to twelve or something now. Sure, sure, yeah. There's, there definitely do pile in. I'm getting pretty crowded already. I, I think the town itself is a little bit smaller. Yeah, it's, it's more, t- it's not really 
signing towards the DS side, DS side, not really signing towards the Wii side. It's a bit in the middle. Sure. Yeah. But the the compensation for that really is that they have moved all the important shops to a separate area on the main street. Right, right. Um, a question for you, actually, Don. Um, in every map in the game, is the beach down off the main area of the map? Because I noticed in, in my map, the beach is like past a cliff, and there's a couple of ways to get down there, um, but there's actually like Unlike unlike previous Animal Crossing games, the beach does not really run into the town. It's like a separate area. Okay. There, there's there's always a cliff there. Okay, okay. I thought maybe that was the case. I like it though. It it I, I like it though. It kind of makes it feel a little more special. <laughs> it it, it kind of is more special in that fashion, though. Um, how the various layouts again make sometimes very interesting to turn around a little bit because I have now in my European town, I have a, a bit of the beach that can only be reached by wearing a, a, a wetsuit. Oh wow, really? Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. That means part of your town is cut off until at least like a few days in. Cause I don't think you can get a wetsuit until you go down to the resort island. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, but um, at the same time, that kind of makes it also like a little surprise and a little sweeter if you actually sure. can make it there. You know, and, and and speaking of the wetsuit, I really like the the deep sea swimming. I think that's a really cool addition to the game, and um, it adds an entire new type of fish to the game. Uh, the deep sea fish, it's probably probably a better name for that, but that's what I've been calling them. It's mostly like shellfish and stuff, but. Um, it, so it basically adds another activity to the game. Uh, the, the fishing you can do by by diving while swimming is, is an entirely new activity that's brand new to this game. And it adds another type of thing to collect. I like it. Mm-hmm. So be aware of the jellyfish. <laughs> yeah, or the fact that you find seaweed most every time you go down there. Uh, seaweed, my mortal so, enemy. So Justin, to bring you into the conversation a little bit, um, what's your experience with Animal Crossing? Well, I I picked up the GameCube one. Um, it came out within two or three days of my birthday, so it was it was it was meant to be. It was fate, and uh, I picked that one up and spent. I I played that game religiously for the whole summer. For years, I played that game. Uh, I have also put a lot of hours into the DS one um, and a good amount of time into the Wii one as well. Although it's probably my least favorite of the three. Yeah, that that's pretty much for every single person out there who likes Animal Crossing. Yeah. I think the problem with the Wii one is it's just not different enough from the previous games. Well, I, I had two big problems with it. Was One was uh, the control scheme. I don't like doing the Wii remote and the pointing, and it's just Animal Crossing to me is just sitting back and relaxing, and it just well, simple... Well, you, you, could, you, could, uh, you could just use your nunchuck, couldn't you? Even then, like I'm not a fan of the Wii remote nunchuck setup. Okay. I mean, and that—that that is just me. That's just a thing that it bothered me personally. I really wanted to plug up my classic controller and play it with that. Gotcha. Fair um, the other big thing that I'm actually curious about how they handle it in New Leaf is in City Folk, they had the city, which was really cool, but it was so segmented off from the rest of the game, like you had to get on a bus and go to the city, that it really, you never went there. It was kind of useless in a way. I feel that... They made more compensations with the main street because yeah. the main street is almost directly implemented almost in your time. I mean, it's a bridge away with the, the train tracks, so there is a little gap between them. And 
if you're going into like a dream towns, which we'll get to in a little bit, uh, you you can't reach you can't reach those areas, which is pretty a safe bet because you can't take anything with you from those dreams. So why would you? But when you are playing with people locally online or what have you, you can easily access them with the, your with your friends and look around the museum and um, take a browse. Sure. I think that because most of the shops have been not all of the shops, but most of the shops have been moved to Main Street, and because there's not really any loading time to get up there, it's just it's just north of the town. There's like a quick there's like a quick screen break, and that's it. I think it doesn't feel disconnected at all, really. I think it actually feels very much like like part of your town, and especially because it keeps growing over time. There there's more and more things that open on Main Street the more you play. Um, which adds sort of an element of discovery as the game moves forward, which is great. I mean, I mean, in the in the very early moments of the game, um, again, you get introduced to like the Dream Suite, and you get your first upgrade to Timmy and Tommy's store, which is weird because it used to be run by Tom Nook, who now does the whole home business, and now the small nephews take over the shop. So go figure that one out. Um, but eventually. Um, it it really becomes like this big depart- department store, uh, just like in the previous games. Right. Pro, uh, a small detail, uh, Gracie Grace will actually go on the top of the of the building. So look forward to much more premium items on there. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah I actually I I like that. There's two different places to sell items to. So in so in uh, in New Leaf, you can go to the store, to Nook's store, like you could before, the one that's run by his his nephews now, or sons, nephews? Nephews. Um, and you can sell items there, but there's also a second-hand store inside your town proper. Um, and you can either put items there to for display for other players, or I don't know, do animal, do residents of your town ever buy those things? Absolutely. You can even advise them for to buying them. Okay, I had never, I haven't had any anybody buy my if stuff you, yet. So if if you have like this full store and and you you can just watch like the animal like walking around, and this is one something they also do a lot more in Animal Crossing New Leaf. The animals are more a little bit more interactive with the environment. So they look around the store and they will do this whole surprise thing when they see something that pikes their interest and they will go to that item. When you go talk to them, they will say from Hey, do you think I should go for this? And if if this if it's one of your your own items, they will pay to you directly. Um, so it's, it's something if you want to sell your items a little more quickly, if an animal there, just go up and talk to him. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, I, I like that there's multiple places to sell things because then if your shop is closed for renovation, there's still a way to play the game. That was my well, retail. Retail, as the store is named, has a bigger focus than actually Timmy and Tommy's store with selling items. Because if you if you read the text well enough, you you will see that Timmy and Tommy actually bring the items to retail after they're done. Oh, nice! I didn't know that. Yeah. So actually, the direct service is actually retail. Do you um have you found that there's when you sell items to either retail or uh, Nook, Nookling Junction or whatever it's called. Uh, do you find that there's a difference in how much money they'll give you for your stuff? Uh, yeah. Uh, retail t- tends to give you a little more. Do they really? Okay, yeah. that's good to know. And there are also daily deals. Um, right, I saw which that. You, which you can get additional bells for. And if you shoot past a couple of people, um, the list of things you can actually get more money on will expand. Oh, cool. Very good. Um, 
I also like that there's there's different kinds of fruit, and not just different kinds of fruit, but every fruit has like a premium version or a perfect version, uh, which um, gives you a little more money for it. And if you plant the perfect version, you'll get a tree that only gives you perfect fruit, which is fantastic. Yeah, I, I like the perfect fruit a lot. I like the aspect around it pretty much so. I accidentally sold my perfect apple early on in the game, and I haven't had another one since. You you actually brought me some right before we uh, recorded, so I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, now you can plant three premium perfect apple trees. I need to get some peaches from your town. Actually, I'm I'm, I'm lacking the peaches. Um, mm, I haven't I haven't I haven't gotten myself a hold of an axe yet. I need to clear out some of my trees so I can plant more fruit trees. I can, I can make sure you get an axe. You know, we can arrange that. I, yeah. you know, actually, when I, when I first started playing the game, um, the the Nook store only has two tools per day to sell you, and it was the same two tools the first like six days in a row, and I was getting really mad. Uh, I didn't get a fishing rod until like I think day five, day four or five, when they were having a fishing tournament, and I went to the guy running the fishing tournament and talked to him about the rules, and finally at the very end, he was like, wait a minute, you don't even have a fishing rod. Well, I'll sell you mine for 500 bells. And I was like, finally! <laughs> Animal Crossing is so much less interesting when you can't go fishing. <laughs> yeah. At, at least they take note of that and say from, hey, okay, here you go. Yeah. Um, it, it's just kind of wild. I think something that they also... We should actually go more more into the more of the special features, which you haven't really gotten into. I haven't gotten them uh, yet. A lot of them. Yeah. So so like, let's first talk about public works. Oh sure, which, yeah. Pub- which is which is one of the main like features of the game and why you are you are actually the mayor. Right. Um. So in the town, you can place like various like objects, or points of interest that make your town like a little more stand out. Right. Um, so the first thing I did is just build a gigantic second bridge in my town. I actually wanted to build a bridge, but there was a someone's house was too close to where I wanted to put it, so they wouldn't let me. So I'm waiting until they move so I can build a bridge there. Well, you can just go to Isabel's office and say, I, I don't like these neighbors. Oh, I forgot that you can do. I haven't tried that yet. I felt bad, so I didn't. I didn't do that. Maybe, maybe I'll do that. Yeah, you you should possibly do that. <laughs> I feel terrible, but yeah. Um. So building that building that bridge, I had to go to Jairo Jairoid and pretty much give them and feed them bells all the entire time. Like other animals will like contribute like little bits. Yeah, but. It's mostly on your shoulders to well, spend it, it, all that money to build it, up your town. What it really does is it gives you something else to work for when it comes to your money, because in previous Animal Crossing games, you're pretty much just trying to get money to pay off your house debt. And at a certain point, that stops being interesting. Um, and the public works pro- projects give you a whole other thing to work towards. It gives you a way to customize your town, and it actually makes you spend less time worrying about the size of your house. I think for the first time that I can think, at least... I mean, once again, I, I've mostly played the GameCube version, but it seems like in Animal Crossing, the focus is moved away from collecting furniture and customizing your house and moves toward customizing your town as a whole. I mean, those elements are still there, but... No, they are still there, but yeah, I think the but... focus is, is more split now, which is good because it gives you something else to work for. Yeah. I, I, f- I feel like those public words projects also small goals in the game, like smaller goals for you to shoot for. Like, you want some, have something shiny? 
then pay for it for yourself. Yeah. Learn to deal with it. Well, like and, now that I, I've opened up access to build the the dream uh, suite, which I know is sort of an online multiplayer component, and I'm excited about it. Uh, so now that I have, I'm paying that off. I have completely lost interest in paying off my house. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I kind of also completely lost interest in paying off my house. Yeah. Um, I mean, as the last few days, I just kicked out some smaller projects out of the park, like building a bench, um, getting like a campsite installed. Um, putting up like original signs with like uh, things I've created like I made a small commander video of the Bitrip series and uh, put it somewhere in my town like a little sign I mean uh, later on later on the things get more crazy um, we're not we are with our copy certainly not at that point yet I mean you can build like things like sw- like a swings or you can build like like stuff like a, a neon signs or more exf- advanced stuff or like windmills or what have you. Sure. But we are not currently at that point yet. Um, I built a, I built a campsite. That's the most exciting thing that I built so far. Yeah. But we are at that point. We can go nuts on that stuff and make our town like like a little more stand out because currently we all have, still have the same stuff. So it's kind of waiting for that for the peaking moment. Um, and seeing what becomes available from there. Sure. Well, and the other thing you can do to make your town a little more customizable, which I think is, is really cool, is the ordinances. And that's the other part of being the mayor. And what that allows you to do is if, if you mostly play the game at night or early in the morning, you can actually tweak your town hours so that your, your town, your shops will be open later or open earlier. And that's just a fantastic idea because I know there are a number of people out there that stopped playing Animal Crossing because the game was not playable when they p- could play video games. The the funny thing is I chose neither and actually chose for having like more funds in the town. Yeah, I did I, I did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So that I get a, a a sequence of money like a little faster. And so with that ornament in place like retail will also give you a little extra more money. Very good. Are there other ordinances besides wealthy town, early riser town, and late town? Do they there's have also, more? There's also beautiful town. Okay, sure. So I suppose there that means... will be barely any weeds in your town, and uh, plants grow very naturally, and the grass, which was a big problem for some in the Wii game, will actually grow back on its own. Excellent, excellent. So those are the pretty much the four that uh, make up those rules which you can adjust your own taste. Well, I've been really liking the game so far. I, I, I'm starting to, at this point, get a little bit burned out on it because um, I've been playing. I, I've actually put more time into Animal Crossing in like 10 days than I put. I think it's like in my top five games on my playlist. Like I put a ton of time in. Um, uh, yeah, I think that my that Animal Crossing, like the European version, is already in my top five. Yeah, so it's I it's. Mean, pretty crazy how much time I've put in. I'm I'm excited for more people to get the game because I'd like to be able to play online. And um, if, if you get the tra- chance to go to do an event or something, um, Street Pass will be very interesting. And this is something yeah. that I only got into very recently because I was able to interact with other European players at, an, at a local event. Right. I mean, I was never able to do that with my Japanese copy because there was barely any players in Europe. Right. Um, with Street Pass, so you get you get like the Happy Home Showcase, which is pretty much collecting homes of other people, right? And 
the interesting thing about that is if you enter like somebody's house you can w look around and see from I like this bit of furniture and this can't be like special furniture that you win at contests or like Nintendo furniture but if you see like this like this TV I would like to have it there is a special catalog on your touchscreen which allows you to buy it for a little more money but you can buy the item and get it directly delivered to you directly the next day. That's fantastic, actually. Yeah. Um, Nintendo is also planning to release those through Spot Pass, so if you don't have Street Pass, you just have to wait for those. But it's a smart way, um, if Nintendo plays their cards, cards right, it's a smart way to get people like uh, new things that they wouldn't usually get. And I'm kind of excited and interested to learn how, like, Nintendo will handle that stuff. Um, another aspect of it, if you, like, street pass people multiple times, like, even thrice is enough, uh, you will notice that they will come to your plaza um, of the Happy Home Showcase, and they will be holding an item, like a, a, like a bunny-shaped or a heart-shaped balloon, or an ice cream, or... Um, like something you can blow bubbles with, and then uh, you can pretty much um, add it to your collection of items to hold in your hand. Sure, sure. And you can also put them in your house. Like the, I've um, actually changed up my layout of the house to include those balloons, so you can also like include it in your furniture or what have you, um, or make them something of your own design decision. So it's it's stuff like that that actually kind of adds to your own collecting value of the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also you can also collect designs if you go through the dream suite to other people's yeah you know, places through their dreams, so you can get their design and actually use it in your game. Yep. So there's always yep. a way to like enrich your experience with the content of somebody else. Well, one thing that I remember thinking very clearly as I quickly burned out on both Wild World and um, City Folk was that Animal Crossing is very much a game that um, is difficult to play for very long by yourself. Um, you need to have a good, solid community. And when I played the GameCube game, I played it in a dorm with a whole bunch of other people who were playing it as well. We had two memory cards full of people playing. Uh, we had two towns with four people in each, and it was so much fun to, like... And I was the only person who had a GameCube, so people would just come in my room and play at all hours of the night. It was great. Um, it was really fun to, like, come into my town and see what had changed from other actual players since the last time that I played. And so having, ha having not have... Without having that same uh, communal experience on this newer game, I'm a little afraid I'm going to burn out on it again, but I'm really hoping we can get a nice, good community of players at NWR to play online. And and, um, and I, I think we will. I think these, these is, this is a game that's going to have long legs. And uh, I would definitely encourage any NWR readers, uh, podcast listeners, uh, who are planning on picking this game up to keep a close eye on any community features we have going on. Because I definitely think we're going to be running some some Animal Crossing-specific uh, community nights. And I'll, chances are I will just have my town open and accepting visitors the first week after the game comes out. I think uh, it's interesting that you bring up, like, the 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 lifespan of the game uh, because this is something I actually asked in an interview when I was in London for like the, for that event which I just talked about 
Um, so I, I heard that, that the tree in your town, like the, the tree you planted on your first day, needs 500 actual days to like fully grow. 500 actual days? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Are there, I mean, did, have either of you guys played in Animal Crossing consistently for more than a year? Yes. Wow. Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> That's, even, even at my most, even at my most played Animal Crossing, I don't think I made it past about seven or eight months. Yeah, I, I think Iguchi said something along the lines of, he finds that sharing designs through the new options like you are and through the dream world are inherently important to keep that game going, uh, as well as the new tropical island, where you can play like mini games against random or your f- random people or your friends. Yeah, sure. I like the mini games, although, um, and maybe you can tell me, Dan, Don, <laughs> um, is there more you can do with metals besides just go shopping on the island? That's the only thing you can do with them. <sighs> Except you can also, if you have 60, you can add yourself to a special club that will allow you to play with random people. Oh, maybe I'll do that then. Okay, okay. That's, that's, so that's, if, that's handy. So, so, if, so you have 60, you can enter that club, and then you, you might get Japanese players, you get like South Korean players, you get European players, American players you don't know, but you will play randomly against them in, the, in those mini-game challenges. Cool. I'll have, to, I'll have to try that out. That sounds very cool. Um, I will say that, like, I'm a little disappointed in some of the ways that Nintendo seems to be approaching multiplayer in this game. And by that, I mean it's still largely the same. Um, I, I feel like, and, and maybe this is some pie-in-the-sky thinking, but I feel like Animal Crossing is a game that could very much benefit from uh, cloud saves. Because I think it's crazy that on a system like the 3DS that's always sort of always awake and always online, and on a, on a game that like Animal Crossing, I, I don't understand why... I can't visit my friends' towns without making a playdate. Um, it seems crazy. Like, h- how have we not gotten to a point where we can just visit our friends' town without them playing the game? Like, well, Nintendo, Nintendo is very wary of that because it could, if you enhance of the wrong people, that could have really bad influences to your game. That's why you. That's why you have a friends list, though. That's why you have to. I mean, certainly you have to allow specific people to do that. I'm not saying they should be loose with it, but having to make a play date I for think, a game like Animal I, I, Crossing, I think and it. that's why. And that is why one of the reasons they came up with the Dream Suite. It certainly because, helps, but yeah, because uh, you can you go to the you go to your town to somebody's town without ruining everything that's in the actual town. There, you can just without have being a able version. But without being able to take different kinds of fruit, I mean, getting all the different kinds of fruit is the primary benefit of playing with other people. And not having, I mean, you can't do that with a Dream Suite. You can't take anything with you when you come back from that town. So I, I, I feel like Nintendo seems to keep focusing on this idea of let's play together in the same town. But what I think is more interesting is Animal Crossing is inherently a single-player game meant to be played by a community, not a multiplayer game meant to be played by people at the same time. Like, I don't think running around the town fishing together is nearly as interesting as the idea of being able to see the towns your friends have built and being able to, you know, help yourself to a kind of fruit that you wouldn't otherwise be able to get or maybe 
visit a shop that is not your shop. So if you're looking for a specific tool that your shop your shop won't sell, you can go visit a friend. I I just feel like it's frustrating that you still have to with a game like Animal Crossing set up a a, a time and a a time to play online. It, it just makes it so much more difficult than it needs to be to play this game. Because I for some games, games like Call of Duty or Smash Brothers, it makes so much more sense to play together. Animal Crossing is not about playing together; it's about playing as a community when you can well, play. If you if you hard if you have good friends who want you want to keep up to date with, with this sort of info, uh, they've introduced like the best features option. Yeah, they do have the um, best friends feature, which is kind of yeah. nice. It's it's basically in-game messaging for all of your all of the your chosen friends in Animal Crossing. And I do feel like the the friends list on 3DS tells you what your friends are playing and that definitely helps you know what's going on enough to know whether or not you should have your town gates open. Um I think honestly having a real messaging feature on the 3DS would help in this case as well because you never quite know if they're interested in playing online or not, but I, I don't know. I, I, as a, maybe this is pie in the sky thinking. I, call me crazy. I'm almost positive this is basically what Nintendo promised We Connect 24 would be able to do. When they introduced that We Connect 24 feature back in 2006, I think part of what they promised was that you would be able to visit people's Animal Crossing towns whether or not they were playing the game. And I, th- I, th- I think. Particularly with like how the the privacy laws in Europe and Japan are set up, that's very hard to pull off. Does, doesn't World of Warcraft exist in Europe? I mean, it's the same yeah, basic it, thing. It does. It's, it's the but same it, it, basic but it, thing. But it's, a, it's the same world though for everybody, everybody, and every single person. It, it, it's it's still your own build-up world, and they are very wary of that. I don't know. I I I, I can't fathom that that kind of thing wouldn't be feasible. Just to, when you're done, I mean, and, and not every player has to elect to do this, but the option to just save your game to the cloud when you're done playing, and then download it from the cloud when you want to play again, would allow other people to be able to visit your town when you're not there. I don't even feel like it's technically that hard to pull off. It's just not the way Nintendo seems to be building the game. And I don't know, I... I, I don't know that I agree with with that decision, um, and I I feel like it still feels like essentially the exact same online mode we had with Wild World, with just a few more additions, and I don't know I'm a little disappointed by that. I I feel like at this point in the game in 2013 with an always online console like the 3DS, we shouldn't have to make a play date. You should like... you shouldn't use the term always online. <laughs> but it is though, like your 3DS. If you have it in your house and your house has Wi-Fi, your 3DS is always talking to the internet. That's but that's a touted feature of the handheld. The fact that yeah. it can always that it can always talk to the internet. It can download while you're not using the system. You can get Nintendo Video while you're not using the system. So who uses Nintendo Video? Well, no one. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And. Like I said, this this is this is maybe me just being a little bit a little a little bit negative on what is otherwise a great game. I I don't agree I, I, with I the perso- way I personally I don't personally see it. I just um, I just don't feel like having to make a play date for Animal Crossing at this point should be necessary. But that's nah, just me. Hey, if you if you I, agree I feel, or disagree, I, comment. I, yeah, I I feel personally that that the interaction between players is super important. Is actually having a play date for me is actually vital to having a fun game experience. But you can't do much together in the town except for watch each other run around and go fishing. 
Well, that's where you go to the tropical islands and play some indie games. Well, that's true, and I haven't done that yet, so I'm excited to try that out. Yeah, we should do that sometime. We should. Well, I think that's about all we got to say about Animal Crossing. Um, any final thoughts? Um, go play it. Go play it. June 9th, June 14th? 15. June 14th in Europe. June 14th in Europe, June 9th or in America, North America. It's, it's, it's during the week from E3. It's pretty not hard to figure out. Right. And mm-hmm. last November if you're in Japan. <laughs> and get the Animal Crossing 3DS if you don't have a 3DS to oh, play it on. Yeah, I get that. that. That 3DS XL looks pretty nice, don't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that'd be nice. I, I, might, I might get it, so. All right, guys. Thanks for joining me tonight, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Welcome to this edition of NWR Jeopardy. I'm Scott Thompson. Uh, today I'm joined by my co-host, Zachary Miller. No pants. And uh, who was a great, great guy today and actually wrote most of the questions for this round of Jeopardy. You wrote most. You wrote some questions. <laughs> well, I wrote, I wrote one round, but, but thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, this game today is a little bit different. Uh, instead of featuring staffers, as we've done in the past, we actually have three listeners on board. Uh, we probably should have got some kind of prize for you guys, but, uh, oh well, I guess we'll just play for the glory of the game. The prize is to be on the air. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, well, let's introduce our three contestants for today. Uh, first up, starting left to right on my Skype screen here, we have BJ. Hi there. And then after that, we have Daniel. Hello, everyone. And then Chris. Insert catchphrase. Chris's, Chris's catchphrase is go sports. <laughs> go sports, alright, I like it. So are you guys ready to get started? Indeed. Let's yep. do it. Okay, well, our categories for round one are Nintendo, Hardware Hijinks, Quota of Quotables, The Koopa Horde, and Rareware. Uh, Daniel, you were the first one to email to be a contestant, so let's start with you. All right, I'll take uh, Hardware Hijinks for 200. Okay, for 200. There may be some confusion as to what we should call the original Xbox now that Microsoft has announced this as the next console. Yahoo! BJ? What is the Xbox One? That is correct, and the board is now yours. I'm gonna... I'm gonna do something a little crazy. I'm going Rareware for 200. Alright, Rareware for 200. Uh, 1997 saw the release of this celebrated Rare-developed first-person shooter. Yahoo! BJ? What is GoldenEye 007? Yes, sir. Okay, Rareware for 400. Okay. This development house, formed by employees who split from Rare, is best known for the Time Splitters series. Yahoo! VJ. Free Radical. What is Free Radical? Yes. I'm going to continue with the category Rareware for 600. Okay. It's the only Rare game on the GameCube. Yahoo! Daniel. Um, what is Star Fox Adventures? Uh, Yes. Um, I'll go back to hardware for 400. Okay, for 400. Left-handed gamers found Kid Icarus Uprising difficult to play without this cumbersome accessory. 
Chris? What is the 3DS stand? Ah, no, I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Yahoo! BJ? Uh, I'm going to say the Circle Pad Pro. What is a Circle Pad Pro? There you go. I'm going to continue with Rareware for, I think I'm at 800, right? You are, yes. This infamously difficult NES game is likely Rare's best known on that system. Yahoo! Daniel. Thank you. Wait, what is Battletoads? Yes, sir. Let's, uh, let's finish Rare for a thousand. Okay. This SNES baseball game, one of Rare's few sports titles, featured just one actual Major League Baseball player of the title, as Rare did not get an MLB Players Association license. Yahoo! Daniel. It's one of two things. Uh, I'm going to say Frank Thomas Big Hurt Baseball. Incorrect. Yahoo! BJ. What is Ken Griffey Jr. presents Major League Baseball? No. Christopher. Uh, what is Ken Griffey Jr. Major League Baseball? Nope. It was winning run, wasn't it? Winning run. Damn. All right, well, let's uh, do a quick scoring update after that one. In first place, we have Daniel with 400 points. Following just behind him is BJ with 200. And following a little bit behind there is uh, Chris with negative 1,400. Oh, jeez. And, uh, Daniel, the board is yours. Uh, Nintendo for 200. Okay, that's me, I guess. The PlayStation Vita is getting a rebirth port of this gorgeous Wii game in June 2013. Chris. Muramasa the Demon Blade? Yes. I am looking forward to that. I'm going to take Nintendo for 400. Okay. Class action lawsuits were filed against Sega and Gearbox, alleging false advertising regarding this maligned game. Yahoo! Oh, damn. Uh, Daniel. That is uh, Aliens Colonial Marines. Yep. All right. Uh, Stay uh, same category, Nintendo for six. Okay. If you own the Xbox 360 or PlayStation 3 versions of this fighting game, you might have already downloaded Lobo as an additional character. Oh, Chris. What is Injustice, Gods Among Us? Yes. I will go with the uh, next question in that category, non-Nintendo. Okay. This much-anticipated Wii U launch window game was delayed until September so that Xbox 360 and PS3 ports and a Vita port could be developed and released simultaneously. Christopher. Uh, what is Rayman Legends? Yes. Finish it off? Uh, yeah, let's finish that category off. Okay. While the PS3 and Xbox 360 received compilations of this trilogy, the Wii U only got its third and final entry. Yahoo! Daniel. What is Mass Effect? Yes. All right, let's do another quick scoring update here. Uh, BJ has stood pat at 200 points. Daniel has jumped ahead to 1,800. And uh, Chris has gotten back into the positive with a score of 200 tied with BJ. Y'all are killing it. And uh, Daniel, the board is yours. Um, Let's go to where we left off with uh, hardware. Okay, so hardware hijinks for 600. At 0.3 megapixels, this handheld camera is worse than many analog cell phones. Uh, Chris. What is the Nintendo DSi? That is correct. And the uh, board is yours.
Uh, let's keep going with that category. The next question, please. Okay, for 800 points. While it's almost impossible to find the thermal paper required by this accessory anymore, you can buy and cut checkout register paper to the proper dimensions instead. Yahoo! Uh, looks like Daniel. What is the Game Boy camera? Oh, no, that is, uh, that is incorrect. Yahoo! BJ. What is the Game Boy printer? There you go. Yeah, a little bit of a uh, uh, trick question very there. Very cheeky question. Uh. And then, uh, BJ, the board is yours. I'll finish off hardware hijinks. And that is our daily double. Oh, do 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 All right, so how this works is you can wager up to the amount you have, uh, which right now is 1,000 points. Uh, you're actually tied with Daniel at 1,000, and uh, Chris is at 800. So you can wager up to 1,000, and I'll remind everyone that this question is just for BJ. No one else gets a stab at it. Uh, so what do you want to wager? I'm not entirely confident, so I'm going to wager only 200. Okay, 200 points it is. This N64 accessory, shortened to VRU, was only supported by a single game in the United States called Hey You Pikachu. That would actually be the vocal recorder unit? <laughs> oh, that is so close. Yeah, it's actually the voice ah, recognition unit. Close, yeah. Uh, so you're close. There's a good job with the letters there. Sounds like a real thing, but it's not a real thing. Uh, but still, the board is yours, so uh, pick the next category. I'm going to go with the Koopa Horde for 200. Okay, for 200. Originally, Koopas only came in these two colors. Yahoo! Uh, looks like Daniel. What is red and green? That is correct. And the board is yours. Uh, quota of quotables for 200. Oh, that's me. Okay. So in this, you've probably heard the show before, but I quote something, and you give me the name of the game. Not the character, but the name of the game. So here we go. So what do you say? How would you rate me? Yahoo! <laughs> BJ. What is Street Pass Me Plaza? Yeah. I wondered if anyone would actually get that. I'm going to go back to the Koopa Horde for 400. All right, for 400. Paracoopa has been a playable character in this Mario Kart game. Yahoo! What is Mario Kart Double Dash? That is correct. The secret best Mario Kart. I know, I love that one so much. Did you just want to keep going in this category? Yeah, let's just keep going. Okay, here we go. So for 600, the sumo wrestler Koopas in New Super Mario Bros. U originally appeared in this game. Yahoo! Uh, Daniel. What's Super Mario World? That is correct. And the board is yours. Uh, quota of quotables for 400. Okay. I'm sorry, Mario, but our princess is in another castle. Just kidding. Yahoo! BJ. What is Super Mario Brothers? No. Wow, really? All right. Doot, doot, doot. What is Super Mario Brothers 3? When you rescue Princess Peach at the end, that's what she says. Uh, same category. Quotables for 6. Okay. Ahoy, big brother! Over here! Yahoo! Daniel. What is The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker? Yeah. The not-so-secret best Zelda. Yeah. <laughs> uh, quota of quotables for 800. Okay. Uh, feel free to browse, but not to carouse. Ho, 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 ho. Yahoo! PJ. What is Animal Crossing? Yeah. I've been wanting to get an Animal Crossing quote in these in this game for a long time, and, and now that the game's about to come out, I was like, I gotta get it in this game. Agreed. Now... Let's keep going in quotables. Okay, this is the last one for a thousand. 
If history is to change, let it change. If the world is to be destroyed, so be it. If my fate is to die, I must simply laugh. Yahoo! Oh, BJ. I've played this through three times now. Fire Emblem Awakening. <laughs> oh! Johnny Metz is screaming right now about what oh, this is. Talk on it. <sighs> Nobody? All right. Do do do. Chrono Trigger. Oh my oh. god! But the, I think BJ almost sold me on, on believing it was from Fire Emblem. He was so sure of himself. Um, before we move on, let's do a quick scoring update here. Um, after that last question, BJ dropped to 800 points. Daniel has got a quick lead at 2,400 points. And uh, Chris has moved up to 800 points. So a uh, pretty good close game here. And uh, BJ, the board is yours. All right. I'm going to keep going in Koopa Horde. Okay. So for 800 points, eating a blue Koopa shell temporarily gives Yoshi this power. Yahoo! Uh, that looks like Daniel. Uh, what are our wings? And you are correct. Okay, so to finish this round out, he's a competitive Koopa who races Mario twice in Super Mario 64. Yahoo! BJ. Who is Koopa the Quick? Koopa the Quick is correct. Good job, good job. Needed that too. Oi. And uh, so let's do a quick scoring update now as we move on to the second round of Jeopardy here. Uh, BJ has jumped back up to 1,800 points. Daniel sits at the top with 3,200. And uh, Chris is still standing tall at 800 points. So our categories for Double Jeopardy are GB in 3D, Megalore, Cover Art, The Many Wii Accessories, In Space, and Cover Art for the Layman. And uh, let me remind you if you haven't heard that one before, it's sort of my favorite category I came up with. Uh, I'll describe Cover Art to you as if I've never played video games before, as if I'm just a random person observing some uh, some box art and describing to you exactly what I see knowing nothing about the characters or settings or anything like that. And uh, Chris, you're in last place, so we're going to give control of the board to you. Uh, let's start with uh, box art for the layman for 400. Okay. A British guard, sickly and pale, reaches out toward you. Big Ben glows in the background. Chris. What is Zombie U? Zombie U is correct, and the board is still yours. Uh, I'll take box art for the layman for 800. All right, so for 800... A blue turtle peers at you. A gun sticks out from his shell. Yahoo! And that is Daniel. What is Pokemon Blue? Pokemon Blue is correct. And the board is now yours. Um, uh, GB in 3D for 400. All right. It was the first virtual console game released on 3DS. Yahoo! BJ. What is Alleyway? No. Nobody else, really. All right. Doot, doot, doot. This happened at E3, people. What is Link's Awakening? Um, let's, uh, let's try again. Uh, GB in 3D for, what is it, 800? Yeah. 800. This feline-based puzzle game features the ability to rewind time rather than restart the stage. Yahoo! DJ. What is Cat Rap? Yes. I also would have accepted Cat Trap. Never heard of that. It's fun. You should play it for 20 minutes. Uh, GB in 3D for 1,200. Okay. June 20th is the day we'll be able to download this incredibly rare but beloved Game Boy Color platformer. Yahoo! BJ. What is Shantae? What's up? Um, 
GB and 3D for 1600. Let's keep going. All right. This screen-by-screen -screen RPG sequel may puzzle players as the original game is not on the Virtual Console service. Got to be up on your Virtual Console RPGs. Nobody is. Doot, doot, doot. What is Sword of Hope 2? Oh, I didn't realize that was the case. Okay. Oh. <laughs> also never heard of Sword of Hope. It is bad. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, let's finish off the category. All right. For 2000, guide Master Higgins through danger-soaked islands in an effort to rescue his girlfriend, Tina, in this Game Boy platformer. Yahoo! BJ. What is Adventure Island? Mm-hmm. Well, that was a very, very good category for BJ here. Uh, we'll just do a scoring update before we move on. Uh, he is now sitting at 5,400. Uh, Daniel's just behind at 3,800, and uh, Chris still pulling up the rear at 1,200. And uh, BJ, I believe the board is still yours. Let's go back to box art for Layman for 1,200. Okay, so for uh, 1,200 points here, a frog lies in the snow while a man leaps into the air, sword on fire. And that is Chris. What is Chrono Trigger? Chrono Trigger it is. I had to redeem myself for the last one. <laughs> Chrono Trigger, by the way, really awful box art, just between you and me. Oh, man. The DS box art was much better. And the board is yours, Chris. Uh, let's keep going with box art for the layman for 1600 Okay, 1600 it is. A blue light shines in the middle. It is surrounded by large stone slabs. The moon hangs in the sky. Yahoo! Okay, BJ. What is the Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask? It is not Majora's Mask. That is incorrect. Nobody? Oh. Doot, doot, doot. Ah, uh, the correct answer is actually Eternal Darkness. Oh, Eternal good Darkness, one. Is, it's actually a very awful, awful, horrible, yeah, ugly box. No. Uh, but there it is. So, uh, Chris, the board remains yours. Uh, let's finish off the category. Okay, let's finish off the category then. For 2,000 points... A dog, polar bear, vulture, and hyena hurtle through space. Doesn't look like we're going to get anyone on this one. So, doot, doot, doot. Uh, it is Space Station Silicon Valley for the N60. Oh! Sort of a uh, overlooked gem there. Although, I, I guess I don't really remember how great it is. It's probably not very good. But there you go. Uh, let's do a scoring update before we move on. We have BJ at 3,800 points, stumbling a little bit there in that last question. Um, Daniel sitting still also at 3,800, so we have a tie there. And Chris has jumped up a little bit to 2,400, so a very, very close game. And uh, Chris, I believe the board is still yours. Uh, let's go with the many Wii accessories for 400. Okay, so for 400 points, third parties made better use of this overpriced bathroom scale than Nintendo did. Alright, uh, Daniel. What is the Wii Balance Board? Wii Balance Board is correct. And the board is now yours. Wii Accessories for 800. Okay, 800 points it is. Can you hear me now? Attempts at multiplayer communication through this terrible device were met with sadness and vitriol. <laughs> and that is Chris. What is the Wii Speak? The Wii Speak is correct. Hey, it works for Animal Crossing, sometimes. <laughs> Uh, the many Wii accessories for 1,200. Okay, for 1,200 points. This exclusive Club Nintendo reward would go well with your special edition Skyward Sword Wii Remote. Yahoo! 
And that is Daniel. That is the golden nunchuck. The gold nunchuck it is. And the board is now in your control. All right, we accessories for 16. Okay, we'll move on to 1600. This blocky accessory was quickly replaced by a new kind of Wii Remote in 2010. Yahoo! What is Wii Motion Plus? The Wii Motion Damn. Plus is correct. Now, uh, Daniel, making a good run here in the middle of the game. Uh, you just want to finish out the category? Uh, yes, we for 2,000. Okay, cool. So for 2,000 points, this poorly received Wii game came with maraca-shaped attachments for the Wii Remote. And that is Chris. What is Samba de Amigo? Samba de Amigo is correct. Very good, very good. Uh, let's do a quick scoring update there. Uh, a lot of movement. Uh, BJ is still standing at 3,800 points. Daniel has jumped ahead to 7,000, and uh, Chris has gained a little ground on him at uh, 5,200. And uh, Chris, the board is yours. Uh, hopefully I'll channel my inner Dr. Metz. We'll go with In Space for 400. In Space! Okay. Uh, this BBC micro game is playable in Donkey Kong 64 and is easily better than that game. Yahoo! BJ. What is Jetpack? BJ is correct. I'm going to go with In Space for 800. All right. In this bizarre N64 game, a colony of zoo animals has merged with technology, creating such strange creatures as a steam-powered hippopotamus. Yahoo! Daniel. What is Space Station Silicon Valley? Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, this is what happens when we don't read each other's questions ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's uh, keep it in space for 1200. Okay. In this WiiWare game, players control a star with the intent to make it grow while also collecting satellite celestial bodies and avoiding asteroids and black holes. Doot, doot, doot. What is art style Orbient? Orbital on GBA. Yep. Uh, yeah, in space for, was it 16 now? Yep, yep. Unusual for a Star Wars game, this one's final chapter jumps into the future as the titular group defends Mon Calamari from a new Imperial threat. Yahoo! BJ. What is Rogue Squadron 3 Rebel Strike? No. Yahoo! Daniel. What is Rogue Squadron? Yes. Oh, the original Rogue Squadron. Oh, the original, man. yep. Okay, let's uh, finish in space. Daily Double. You can go for your uh, value, your current score, and as I've learned since we last did Jeopardy, uh, whatever you say is not doubled. It's just whatever you say. And then, uh, just so you know, I'll give you the scores real quick so you can... Uh... Maybe strategize here a little bit. Uh, BJ's at 2,600, Christopher is at 5,200, and you are at 9,400. So a uh, healthy lead there. Uh, I'll, I'll wager... Uh, I'll wager 1,000. All right. This turn-based strategy game for Wii is half board game and half combat sim, featuring such races as Romulans, Breen, Cardassians, and the Dominion. I, I don't know. Okay. I don't blame you. It's Star Trek Conquest. That game was bad. That game was okay. It wasn't bad. Okay, it was pretty bad. And, uh, Daniel, the board is still yours. Mega Lore. 
for 400. This sister of Mega Man is equipped with a broom in Mega Man Powered Up and Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Yahoo! Who is Roll? Roll is correct. And the board is still yours, Daniel. Mega Lore for 8. Okay, for 800. As revealed in later Mega Man X games, this mad scientist built Zero. Yahoo! Who is Dr. Wily? Dr. Wily it is. Alright, BJ, where are we going? Let's keep going with Mega Lore for 12. Okay, for 1200 points. Mega Man X and Zero sealed this enormous reploid in the backstory to the Mega Man Zero games. Aww. Okay, doesn't look like anyone knows this one. Uh, the answer is who is Omega? Aha! Uh, the board is still yours, BJ. Let's keep going with Megalore for 16. Okay, we'll keep going on. Uh, so for 1600 points, introduced in Mega Man 8, this heroic robot's preview is to eradicate evil energy. Sad, nobody knows these. This is a really good category, Zach. Um, boop, boop, boop. The answer is who is Duo? Who is Duo? Indeed. Uh, BJ, you just want to finish it out? Let's just finish this category and just be done with it. Okay, yeah, let's just get it over with. Uh, so for 2,000 points, this is the only Mega Man killer that does not appear in Mega Man 10. Which we've all played, right? No. Yes. Oh. See, there are four, but there are only three DLC stages, so one is left out. And nobody knows who it is. Doot, doot, doot. <laughs> okay. The answer is, who is Quint? He's who on a pogo stick, is... people. Yeah, who is Quint? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, BJ, that leaves just the uh, cover art category. Did you just want to go through in, in order then? Let's just roll through in order. Okay. Uh, for 400, until the release of Wind Waker, these were the only Zelda games to feature character art on the boxes. Yahoo! BJ. What is The Legend of Zelda Oracle of Seasons and The Legend of Zelda Oracle of Ages? Nice! I'm going to roll through an order. All right. 800. Despite never appearing in the actual game, this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game's box art prominently featured Triceratons. Yahoo! Daniel. What is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, The Manhattan Project? Yeah! Wow! <laughs> Cover art for 12. This is the other Daily Double. Oh, what's up? This is an incredibly easy Daily Double, now that I think about it. So you say. Uh, can I have a, can I have a score update before I make my uh, wager? Oh yeah, sure thing. Uh, BJ has moved up to 3,800. Chris is still sitting at 5,200. And you have jumped all the way out to 9,600. So a very safe lead once again. Okay. Um... What's uh? An, I don't. We don't have much left, so I'll keep. I'll play it safe. Um, one thousand. One thousand. All right. This character was the only character on the SNES box art for Killer Instinct. <sighs> Come on. We that all played Killer Instinct, right? The answer is who is Olgor? Nice. I knew. <laughs> I knew I liked you, Daniel. <laughs> All right, 1600. This robot master featured prominently on the box art of Mega Man 4. Mega Man 4. Doot, doot, doot. Who is Pharaoh Man? 
Oh, my God. All right. This is clearly not my best uh, game of Jeopardy. Hope you guys follow football very closely. For 2000, this player graced the cover of Madden 2002, the first Madden game on the GameCube. Wow. Congrats. I'm going to take a shot in the dark, but I'm pretty sure it's who is Dante Culpepper. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> Funny story about that game, actually. The only reason I remembered, uh, remember the blue disc failure thing with the PS2 when it launched? That was, Madden 2002 was the only game I could play on my PS2. Wow. I knew it was the Vikings, I can't remember his name. <laughs> oh jeez. Damn. That's the highlight of the show right there. Okay. Wow, yeah, that was a great last get there by Chris. Uh, let's do a final scoring update then before we move into Final Jeopardy. Uh, BJ's still at 3,800. Daniel jumped up to 10,600. And uh, that last question uh, for Chris boosted him to 7,200, so he's very close behind. Uh, it's still anyone's game. Um, so Final Jeopardy here. Uh, Zach's going to redo the category for the question. You'll send your bids to me, and then once I get those in, Zach will redo the question, and you'll have 30 seconds to answer. So, uh, Zach, what is the category? Category is Revelations Misspelled. Okay, I've got all the wagers. I'll read the question. You have 30 seconds. Here we go. This is the name of the new monster introduced in the console version of Resident Evil Revelations. Okay, I have all the answers, uh, so let's take a look. We'll start with last place and move up. Uh, so BJ was in last place with 38 points. He wagered all of his points, and his answer was Leviathan, uh, which is incorrect. Uh, drops him down to a score of zero. Uh, then right behind him in second place, or ahead of him, I should say, uh, was Chris, and he wagered 3,800 as well, and his answer was no idea. <laughs> So that drops him down to 3,400. And then that takes us to Daniel. Uh, he wagered 400 points, and his answer was, I hope Chris got it wrong. <laughs> and uh, Chris did get it wrong, so he's sort of right. Oh, man. All right, so yeah, Daniel's our big winner of the first ever listener uh, listener game of NWR Jeopardy. So congratulations, Daniel. Ooh, thank you, thank you. Uh, what are you going to do with all your fake money? Uh, so many things. <laughs> fake study, invested. I'm gonna, study, uh, I'm gonna buy a Wind Waker sea chart. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent idea. Excellent idea. Might come in handy with that HD remake down the road, actually. Yeah. Not a bad idea. Um. Okay. So that will do it. Well, uh, Chris, Daniel, BJ, thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this has been a very fun time. Yeah, it's been great. You guys kept it competitive. It was good. Uh, very fun. And, and you've done well enough that I think we'll do another one of these in the future. So congratulations on that. That is your prize. <laughs> you guys didn't suck. <laughs> <laughs>
Huzzah! <laughs> Huzzah! We didn't suck. You can, if you want to quote me to put that in any at the end of any books or yes, uh, bi- business business cards, yeah, that, that's boxer fun. quote. <laughs> um. All right. So that will do it. Um. Thank you guys for being here again, Zach. Thank you for right. being here and writing all the questions. Of course. You're a man's man. And uh, thank you for listening. And uh, we will talk to you guys later. Yep. All right. Bye. 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 And that will do it for episode 88 of Connectivity. As always, you can send us listener mail to connectivity at nintendoreport.com. If you get a chance to rate and review us on iTunes, that would be great. And uh, be sure to follow all of us on Twitter. Go to nintendoreport.com, look for the Twitter sidebar on the right-hand side of the page, and you'll find all of our usernames there. And uh, now, if you'd be so inclined, stick around for a bonus segment all about the NHL playoffs. We'll see you next week.
everyone, and welcome to another hockey bonus segment of Connectivity. Uh, I am Scott Thompson, and today I'm do- joined by just Donald uh, Terrio. Who the heck is Tory Krug, and why do I want to hurt him? <laughs> yeah, up-and-coming uh, rookie for the Boston Bruins all of a sudden. He's a huge star. Um, no JP this week. Uh, just didn't get a hold of him. I imagine he's probably sleeping. So, JP... We miss you, but hopefully you're dreaming pleasant dreams about the Flyers in the 13-14 season. I think I think the official term is he's out with an upper body injury for this show. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. I gave away too much information. Upper body, day to day. Uh, you know, we'll see where he's at tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, so we are back now to review our predictions from the semifinals, and then look ahead now to the conference finals and make some more uh, predictions. So I think we did we did pretty good on uh, on the semifinals here. Yeah, I I know I I recall that I did pretty well on that one, three out of four. Yeah, and the, really you probably would have had four out of four, but you picked with your heart, <laughs> which which you can't you can't fault you for that. But um, so yeah, let's go through. So we've got the Penguins and Senators. Uh, both you and JP picked the Penguins over the Senators. I thought I'd be a little different. I thought we'd finally see, um. Vokun kind of come back down to earth, maybe have some bad games. Uh, did not happen. Did not happen at all. It was Penguins in five. Just, just as planned. Yep. Although yeah, exactly. I didn't, I didn't expect a game to go into double overtime. Yeah, that was something special, and it was even late in double overtime. I think before the uh, the Senators won it, that was their, their only win. Yeah. But I think we've learned that finally Daniel Alfredson can actually make playoff predictions that are right. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. <laughs> Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know, uh, the uh, media asked him if he thought the Senators could come back and win the series, I think once they were down 3-1, to one, and he basically said, no, the uh, the Penguins are a deep team, so probably not. <laughs> yeah. And this is the same guy who once said, go ahead and run it, I guarantee we'll win the Cup. Yeah, that didn't work <laughs> out too well. Yeah, he's changed his tune a little bit, I guess. Maybe he's trying to do some reverse psychology. Well, to jinx it the yeah, other unfortunately, way. he... They, he always draws comparisons to Mark Messier, and this time he he Messier it for the yeah, totally exactly. wrong reason. <laughs> Got it right. Uh, so yeah, they were they were done in five, and after the Senators actually won that game in double overtime, it seemed like the Penguins were like, okay, we're going to stop messing around, and I think outscored them something like thirteen or fourteen to three in the in that that two game span. Yeah, I think uh, I, I love the theory that I read somewhere that Pittsburgh wanted to clinch a series at home. So they threw, oh yeah, so that's that's why they threw it. <laughs> so they so they let up a little bit on the gas in game three, and and then took it in five in yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah, I always love that kind of stuff. As if players care at all, they just want to win. But that's good. And whatever Pittsburgh fans have to tell themselves. Um. So yeah. So they uh, Pittsburgh moves on handily. Um. Got out of the second round much easier than they got out of the first round. I think. Um. Really wasn't even close. Well, now that they have a goalie that they can sort of lean on, who's not going to give up five or six goals a game. <laughs> yeah, I guess that makes a big difference. Um, and then we had the Bruins and the Rangers. Um, I thought this would be a much closer series than it was, but I, I still picked the Bruins to go, as did JP. Um, Donald, you, of course, picked the Rangers to get through, just because how can you possibly pick the Bruins? It'd be sacrilege. Yeah, and yeah, that didn't work out too well. I no. I did think it would be a close series. I thought Boston's, in, I thought the Boston's injury factor would catch up to them, but yeah, they have the, they pull this kid Krug out of the minor leagues. He goes out and scores three times in the series from the blue line. Yep. Yeah, all of a sudden he goes from like nobody to playoff hero. Yeah. 
Um, just like that. Well, there, there's there's one of those guys seemingly every year. Uh, look up John Drews sometime if you want. It's D R U C E if you want to see someone who comes through completely out of nowhere in the playoffs. Who did he come through for? Uh, I was I think it was when I was like six years old. He was, he scored nine goals for the Capitals as they went to the conference final. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Um. So yeah, so we had we had that, and th- th- I think this was a closer series, even though it was the same number of games. I think this was a much closer series than the uh, the Penguins and Senators. I mean, the, the games were kind of low scoring. It seemed like the Rangers were always right there, but just could were always felt sort of a, a goal short. You would think with the with the talent they have offensively on the Rangers that they'd be able to come up with a big goal late in the game, and they had an all world they have an all world goaltender in Henrik Lundqvist, so. Well, I guess that's part of the reason why John Tortorella is looking for work right now. <laughs> exactly. We had some crazy storylines come in that series, and then shortly thereafter, um, we had Brad Richards go from to the fourth line and then being benched uh, for uh, for the the remainder of the series, uh, which is sort of a big deal. It's a guy you went out there scoring, and, and he's not producing whatsoever. The, the, and then you got go a ahead. guy on a nine-year contract who's supposed to play <laughs> until he's 40. Now the Rangers will probably be paid <laughs> until he's 50. Uh, yeah, unless, well, yeah, I mean, they could buy him out and then, yeah, and then just spread out the payments, I guess. At least it'll come off the books, but yeah, that was, uh, not good. And then, uh, yeah, shortly after the series is over, well, you had Lundquist kind of talking about how he might not even come back to the Rangers, um, which a lot of people think maybe that was the, uh, the push to get Tortorella out of there and, and, and make some changes to maybe try to keep him happy and keep him around. Yeah, because Lundquist is a unrestricted free agent after next season, and, and yeah, if you want to, you want to have your stars around. You want to have the make sure they're in a situation where they can succeed. I, I hope that whoever the coach is that the Rangers hire, that he's a little more willing to take offensive risks. Maybe bring in Ruff from from Buffalo. Yeah, or Alain Vigneault from uh, Vancouver is getting a lot of talk too, which would be really funny. Really funny. Enjoy him in the Eastern Conference if you guys get him because he is a treat. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think he's got a little bit more offense than he would have in Vancouver. Mm, yeah, probably. Yeah, but he's just an amazing guy. Yeah, I just think, do not like him. Yeah, I think we we had him before, and then and then we chased him out to Vancouver. So. Oh, that's right. That's right. Who, who was he with before Vancouver? Uh, Pittsburgh, I believe. Ah, okay. They, they fi- well, there you go. Yeah, they fired him, and hi- Pittsburgh fired him, hired Dan Bilesman, and haven't really looked back since. No, they've been very happy there. Uh, so yeah, so the, those are your two teams. We've got the Bruins and the Penguins, which is a a great matchup, I think. Um, sort of some some story franchises there in the Eastern Conference and, and two powerhouses. And there's still some bad blood there between Matt Cook's continued existence and Jerome McGinley, who was apparently going to the Bruins until he decided to hook back up with Sidney Crosby. So. Right. And then you've got Yager, former Penguin, now Bruin. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of storylines. So that's actually pretty exciting. Um, and somewhere there's an NBC executive just rubbing his hands in glee, thinking, oh, my God, they might get above a two rating this time. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Can't wait for uh, all that publicity. And then should be very good. I mean, two big markets. So I think that will be a successful series for the NHL and its marketing partners. But uh, let's make our predictions there. Um Geez, this is this is this is gonna be a good one. I, I think we're going seven games and I think 
I think, kind of like I did before, I think I'm going to give the edge to the Bruins, just because I really am waiting for Vakun to come to come back to Earth, and it's got to happen, and I think this is the first time, offensively, he'll be he'll be real challenged. Well, I don't know. He had he was looking pretty good at the end of the Islanders series, and I'd be more scared of the Islanders' offense than it would be of the the offense that the Bruins could put up. Since mm-hmm. really, I was worried at the start that Boston would have three big scoring lines, but they're getting seemingly every goal from the Krejci line. Yager yeah. especially hasn't done Yager's line hasn't done anything. At anything, right? I think the fact that Pittsburgh has those two big scoring lines—the Crosby, Kunitz, and James Neal of getting Balkan, Jerome McGinley lines. I yeah. think that and the goaltending is solid. So I, I'm going Pittsburgh in six. Okay. Wow. So getting it done a little sooner. Okay. Yeah, I could I could really see it going either way, but I do think it's going to be seven games. But I will stick with the Bruins, and we will see what happens. And of course, JP probably picks the Bruins just because. Well, it's Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so he'll be he'll be Bruins with me. He'll say Bruins in four probably. Um, so let's shift over then to the Western Conference. Let's start with the Sharks and the Kings. I think we all predicted that the Kings would come out ahead, and I'm pretty sure we all predicted seven games along a hard-fought series, and that's exactly what we got. Yeah, four two-one games in that series, and I didn't realize how big of a big of a Sharks fan John Lindemann was until the series started. Yeah, I had no idea. I I don't know. Is he from California, or has he lived in California? No, he's I he's. I don't think he has. I think he's originally Canadian. He might have lived there for a while. I don't know offhand. Yeah, as far as I know, he's always been situated on the East Coast, whether it was, uh, he lived outside Boston for a while, and then he lived down in, in Georgia, but like, I had no idea. <laughs> he was such a Sharks fan, and then all of a sudden there it was, I was very much surprised. Maybe we should have, um, maybe we should have drug him into this one, but you no, know I think we could only pull that off if the Sharks actually managed to win game seven. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think he wants to come on and talk about his team losing. Um, so, yeah, very close series, back and forth. Um, I think every team, every team won on their home ice. I'm, I'm almost positive because I know the Kings didn't lose on theirs. So yeah, so the the Sharks must have won on all their games on home ice. And um, yeah, just a, a good series. But quick, I think was the difference maker there. Yeah, he's the especially in, late in Game Seven when he robbed Pavelski right on the goal line. Oof. That yeah, you, you Jonathan Quick is. Is, is basically carried the Kings. That, and if they can get it to Game 7, apparently Justin Williams turns into God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, talk about playoff heroes. Yeah, that guy. But, um, yeah, well, Pavelski's going to be, like, haunted by that, that shot forever. I mean, if he had just lifted it a little bit off the ice, but that's how it goes sometimes. It was a hard series for me to watch just because of the time difference. You know, every game in California, but, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad I was able to see what I did, and Certainly, the Kings have earned their title defense this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think I want to say, looking back at a few of the last Cup winners, this might be the the first time I think a I think it's a the Cup first... winner has gotten to the conference finals. Yeah, in, this... in the last few years at least. Yeah, but this is like this is the situation where we have the last four Stanley Cup champions in there. I think for the first time since the war, since the Second World War. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Yeah, they're uh, they're promoting that a lot too. Also. Uh, NHL trying to spur up some ratings that way too, but you know it's kind of a cool little uh, little stat. It's interesting. I, I feel like you don't see that much in hockey. Well, obviously you don't if it's been since World War II, but usually you at least get like an eighth seed or sort of a surprise contender, or, or you know the team that won the cup kind of 
I don't know, comes back to Earth a little bit the next season. They, but Or they pull a Carolina fall apart and miss the playoffs completely. Exactly, yeah. Um, so yeah, kind of, kind of interesting. I feel like the NBA, you always get that. Like, there's always those elite teams who make it every year, uh, until the stars retire. That's usually not the case with the NHL, but here we are. So. Let's move then to the Blackhawks and the Red Wings, Ooh. which it was a very trying series for me. <laughs> at least, at least you were on the happy end of it. Yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of emotional highs and lows during this series. So we all picked the Blackhawks, but I, I'm pretty sure, and by this time, the first game had already happened. The Hawks won 4-1 to one pretty handily, and I think we all had like five, maybe six games, and, and that was it. We were just kind of chalked this one up and, and, and ready to go. And then the Blackhawks, after we recorded, went on to lose the f- next three games of the series. Um, not necessarily blown out. Like, the, the, the second game of the series was 4-1 to one Red Wings. That, that was probably the worst game they had. Um, and then the next game... It's two to one. They think they tie the game, and then you get a phantom goaltender interference call. Um, and then, like within thirty seconds, Datsuk just makes this amazing shot where only he could put the puck like in this space between Crawford's shoulder and the crossbar. Yeah, I'm, I was sensing. I, I didn't realize that. It, I, I, I don't know if I just was paying attention at that point, but that that seemed to be a running gag throughout the series that you know, Chicago would would score a big goal and then something really screwy would happen. Yeah, a little bit. It wasn't great. <laughs> um, so they lose that game, and then they, they lose again in Detroit, and they come back to Chicago down 3-1. to one, And I'm, I'm fearing for the uh, the worst here. And they, they pull out game five, uh, another 4-1 to one win. Uh, uh, kind of an easier win, too, I thought, so similar to, to game one. And then the, the real test was going up to Detroit and trying to win game six to come back home. And uh, they managed to do it. We got a penalty shot, um, which is pretty amazing. I I don't remember the last time there was a penalty shot in the playoffs. Uh, you know, it might have been actually, it, unless there was one last year sometime, I, I think the last time was actually in 2011, and it was the same guy. It was for a week for Chicago. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, during, it the, was a, during the uh, yeah. Vancouver series. Exactly, yeah. Which that that one was was especially amazing because the the penalty shot it tied the game midway through the third. Not only that, Schneider like pulled his groin trying to trying to stop it because Schneider played that game after Longo played the first uh, five games because he had been really awful in the uh, the past two games. He gave up like eleven goals in two games, so they they kind of uh, surprised everyone and played Schneider. Schneider pulls his groin on that penalty shot, and then Luongo has to come in, and then they they score the overtime winner on Luongo to get to game seven. Oh, such a good game. But yeah, so Furley gets the penalty shot again. He uh, scores on a, a very, very pretty uh, backhand shot. And they make it to game seven. And um, yeah, they're... <laughs> having been there this year, I can tell you, there's nothing like a game seven when your team is trying to complete a comeback. And, uh, <laughs> and then to have... I, I still am at, I'm at amazed that, the, that they had the uh, Palmerson goal. Yeah, right. that it, it, there's like a few pronunciations. Some some put more emphasis on the H. Some ignore it completely and just say Jalmerson. Um, but yeah, so. Palmerson's goal that gets called back because of not just one penalty but coincidental penalties. Right. Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, if you see the play, um, I can't even remember who. I think it was Cleary, maybe who who hit him. Uh, Quincy, Kyle Quincy. Oh, Quincy, that's who it was, Quincy, yeah. Quincy, like, knocks him almost into the Red Wings bench. Guys on the bench are pulling, at, it was, 
it was uh, Brandon Saad. They're pulling at Saad. And, uh, yeah, and then, and then takes him down to the ice, and then Saad gets a, a coincidental penalty. I, I couldn't even believe it. And it wipes away a goal, nonetheless. I mean, it was, I, just, Twitter was exploding, everyone, I mean, people are texting me, I mean, that, they were going to, it was going to be like a Vancouver riot if, if the Hawks <laughs> lost that game. Yeah, if, if the Hawks, if the Hawks lose that game, I don't think the referee makes it out of the building alive. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and I, I read something interesting the next day. That was actually the same referee who watched Rafi Torres hit Marion Hosa and didn't uh, call the penalty. Didn't call anything. He actually called the Hawks for a penalty uh, for a retaliation penalty afterwards. Um, so yeah, same referee, which is nice. But I, I think I said something about how you had killed a kitten on Twitter <laughs> right oh, when the goal sure. was scored. I, I, I'm just amazed I didn't have to change that because I could see you probably kicking one once you see that they start waving <laughs> off the goal. Yeah. I couldn't even believe it. I mean, I'm like freaking out, so excited, and like I'm yelling in my house, and then I finally like kind of see the ref like like waving it off, and I'm, I'm seeing what's happening, and I, I can't even believe it. Okay, so uh, and Taze is not even celebrating. He's wait, what? He's yelling at the referee. Yeah, you're like, what? Is, what is going on? So I'm trying to like calm down and like get my bearings straight, and then yeah, and then I then I see what happens, and just unbelievable. I heard people say that if the Hawks lost that game, it would be like, uh, like on par with the the Bartman game for the Cubs back in two thousand three. The, the only thing missing was the the sweater, the hoodie, and the, and the big <laughs> headphones. Yeah, they just the ref just has to be escorted out by security. Um, yeah, so pretty amazing. But then um, overtime starts. They get they get through the four on four, the inexplicable four on four. And um, it's sort of back and forth, and I'm just on the edge of my seat. And then Seabrook, who's actually had a really bad series and, and has not played much, um, goes through and, and gets an open shot, and it bounces off Cronwall and, and goes right in the net. And Chicago rejoices, and Twitter rejoices. And Chicago wins the game in overtime, 3-1. to one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the first 3-1 to one overtime winner. <laughs> Man, I just have to think, because... As Neil was watching this game, he just started getting into hockey this season, and you managed to turn him into a Hawks fan. I, I'm trying to picture, I'm trying to picture his expression when that goal is waved off. <laughs> but man, you, well, you picked an awful good season to bring him into the fold. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know if you, how much you were around during the uh, the football season with the replacement referees, but. He had, there was that game, or how much you even follow football in general, but you had, you know, the Packers. Oh, and the fail Mary. The, the Seahawks, yeah. And, you know, he's a Packers fan, so he was on the receiving end of that. I remember just all night him just tweeting all this shit about the refs. But, of course, the Packers lost that game. They didn't get a chance to, like, actually win the game for real. But, um, you know, I, I tweeted at him, and I said, well, you know, thanks for bringing the awful officiating with you from football to, to hockey. <laughs> But, um, yeah, he loved it. I mean, if the Hawks had lost, I think it'd be a different story. But, you know, he was tweeting the next day that after that Game 7, like, he's a hockey fan for life. And, like, he just, like, playoff hockey is now his, like, favorite thing in the world. So, Well, that's, that's, the, that's the magic of, of a long playoff series like that. You, you go from the top of the mountain to the depths of hell in 30 seconds or 3 seconds even. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as you know from earlier. All in this, too uh, this well. <laughs> and you can see more on that on NintendoWorldReport.com. Yeah, I'll have that. Um, so for everyone listening, you can look at the the post for this episode, and I will have um, Donald's excellent comparison piece between being a Leafs fan and being a Nintendo fan. It's it's thorough, and you will see the connections. <laughs> Poor Donald. Um, so yeah, so now we have the Kings and the Blackhawks, which I think I said last recording, if that was the matchup, I, I thought it was a really great matchup, and 
I, I think at the time I said it was going to be the first real big test um, for the Hawks. Of course, that ended up not being true. It'll be the second big test. But I, I think this is going to be a, a really great series. Yeah, I think I think this season, Chicago, everything that happened in Game 7 just convinced me that Chicago is sort of the team of destiny this year. So I think they'll be able to solve quick at least a couple of times. And I, and I think Corey Crawford's due to have a really big series. So I'm probably I'm gonna go with the Hawks in six. Okay, yeah, I'll probably I think I'll take Hawks in seven just because of how good the Kings have been on their home ice. They haven't lost yet. I mean this this year or well like these playoffs I should say they haven't lost in home ice yet, and they only lost in home ice like three times last year, uh, all through their run. So very good, uh, very good home ice players. So I think I'll take Hawks in seven, but I could see I this is the first one I could really see it going the other way. Um, I think Quick is the difference maker, but they had a lot of good luck with him earlier in the season. Yeah, wasn't um, it, wasn't it Chicago who played LA the first game of the year and it was six one or something? Yeah, five one, six one, something like that. But yeah, it was the very first game. It was the first game of the the season. Uh, it was like noon on NBC that day, and uh, yeah, they took that one. And I think LA took one out of the the three games that they played against each other. Um, but yeah, I think it should be a, a very good matchup. And uh, one interesting fact is that they're going to play back-to-back uh, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, they try to catch up. The The thing that bugs me is that the way the scheduling works out, where both Game 7s are going to be on the same night, and if, considering Chicago has home ice advantage, they're going to start an hour apart. That's going mm, yeah. to be fun to try and juggle up. Because we have because we have the two broadcasters showing playoff games, I wonder. If, I think TSN is really hoping this goes seven so they can get Game Seven of the West Final. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they they might push it back. I mean, when the Hawks and, and Wild played, uh, the games were on at like eight thirty for some crazy reason. Um, so they they might push it back, especially to try to match up with um, you know LA's time zone because that's what that'd be five o'clock for them if it was on at seven. So. They they might push it back a little bit, but still they'll probably be close. You probably won't be able to just kind of like ease from one right into the other if that's what happens. But I guess we'll see. So um yeah, I guess that's it. These go these go a little quicker now with uh <laughs> less less games to to discuss. Yeah, when you get down to the down to the final four, you hope you hope for a good long couple of good long series, but you know with everything that's on the line, it's going to be a couple of weeks of really good hockey. Yeah, I can't wait. So excited for this, uh, especially this back-to-back. I think it, it kind of sucks, and I'm not sure how it's going to affect the series, but as a fan, you got to like being able to watch your, your team play two days in a row. Hey, Always good. two afternoon games. Yeah. I don't see that very often. No, not at all. So, that'll be fun. Um, all right, well, Donald, thank you, as always, for being here. Um, we'll be back in a couple weeks to discuss the Stanley Cup final then. We'll make our predictions for all that fun stuff, Smythe. And uh, like you were talking about that other form you post, I might be like some some wacky predictions: who scores the most, uh, leading, all that kind of leading score, which team has more cause to yell at the refs, you know, all the all the fun <laughs> stuff that goes with the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, we'll talk penalty minutes. <laughs> It'll be good. Um, all right. Well, yeah, that'll do it. So yeah, thanks for being here, and we'll uh, talk to you guys later. Talk to you later. fathers 
Not a goalie, player, athlete, period. Smoke, half ash, stuck in that permanent smirk. Tugging jersey around the beer gut. I'm strictly a whiskey man, was one of the sticks he taped up and gave to a nation of pudgy boys in beverage rooms. Favorites from Plimpton's list of objects thrown by Rangers fans. Soup cans. A persimmon. Eggs. A folding chair and a dead rabbit. The nervous breakdown of 68, 69 after pant crap flights from L.A. The expansion. The shrink told me to change occupations. I had to forget it.